So I'm going to come out on today's episode. I'm going to come out as someone who has been obsessed with the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions. Now, I feel compelled to say that I, I don't actually watch it every night, although I think it would be okay for me to watch it every night and say so, but I don't. I don't watch it every night, and I don't say I do. So one night a couple of weeks ago, semifinals, I think, the category was organizations. And I didn't think too much about it until the clues were revealed. And every response was, what is, insert nonprofit here. Oh, I thought, this is like my category. And they chose the word organizations as the category. And I'm going to tell you, I found myself really annoyed. The entities that are in the business of making the world a better place are relegated to the word organizations? I didn't like it. So I then, of course, started to think about what word I would choose instead. Nonprofits is an option, I suppose. And maybe that would be clearer to the contestants. But do we really like that word? Raise your hand if you really like or appreciated being defined by what you're not. Uh, you know what? I don't see any hands. Or if you would like to be defined by some bizarre financial metric. So how would you title that Jeopardy category? Best thing I could come up with was like the social good. Maybe you have some suggestions and I totally welcome them. But here's the bigger question. Not who won the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions because we all know who won. The bigger question for me is, what do we want the world to know about the sector? And what role do we ourselves play in that narrative? I do talk about great leaders as great storytellers. Storytelling, narrative, they're in the same category. I don't know what I'd call that category. So I believe that everyone associated with a nonprofit organization is actually part of something bigger that the sector at its best should be a compass pointing us in the direction of a truly civil society. That's how I see the sector. That's why I'm here. That's why I blog. And it's why I consider myself a champion for the sector and a kind of nonprofit evangelist. Today, I want to talk about what this is all about and the role we all have to play in changing the narrative. Greetings and welcome to Nonprofits Are Messy. I'm your host, Joan Gary, founder of the Nonprofit Leadership Lab, where we help smaller nonprofits to thrive. I'm also a strategic advisor for executive directors and boards of larger nonprofits. I'm a frequent keynote speaker, a blogger, and an author on all things leadership and management. You can learn more at joangary.com. I'm a woman with a mission to fuel the leadership of the nonprofit sector. My goal with each episode is to dig deep into an issue I know that nonprofit leaders are grappling with by finding just the right person to offer you advice and insights. Today, it turns out that the right person is me. So my friends, let's think about it. Many of us work every day to change narratives. We work one-on-one -on -one with clients to help them consider a different narrative about where their life could go. We try to change the narrative about the unhoused or what it means to be non-white. 
We look at the stigma associated with diseases like diabetes or the narrative that some old finding in a historic home tells us about the rich history, tells us a story about a time long ago. I could go on and on, but you know where I'm going with this. This is what we do. We change hearts and minds. We change lives. We change narratives. And when it comes to our own work, how do we do? Not really very well. At all. We are not very good ambassadors for the nonprofit sector. And in fact, we are often quite lousy at it. And when I say we, I'm not talking to the executive director or the board chair who might be listening or the development director. I'm actually talking to about a gazillion people, the gazillion people who touch the world of nonprofits every day, like the one billion people who volunteer worldwide, the 25% of Americans who volunteer, right? That's on top of every person who gives a buck, every person who gives 500 bucks, every person who volunteers to be on a committee, every corporation that sponsors an event, every person who raises their hand to sit on a board. When you add them all up, it comes to roughly a bazillion. Okay, so there's this massive army of ambassadors who spend every day thinking about how to make the world a better place and spend some portion of every day doing something about it. Why are we not spreading the good word? Why are we not talking about the sector in such a way that the folks at Jeopardy think about it as the social good instead of organizations? Are we too busy? Could be. Are we too hyper-focused on our own cause to consider that we're actually part of something way, way bigger, that we're part of a larger orchestra of change? Are we too competitive? Is there too much for-profit in our blood, in how we're structured, in our board governance? I don't know. I was thinking about it. Like, would McDonald's run an ad to lift up the entire fast food industry? Now, okay, you laughed, and maybe it's a poor example, but I think you get the idea. And while we're at it, perhaps we should score one for the funders who see visibility, organizational visibility, not as a program strategy, but as that devil category overhead. We all know that people equals power and that if we don't tell people about our organizations, if we don't invite them to come and learn about our organizations, they miss out on the opportunity and we miss out on the power that comes with having more people associated. We have a funding landscape that tells us not to value that. We have to overcome this. We must be ambassadors, not just for our own organizations, but for the sector. So here's another point I want to make, that the sector gets a bad rep 
And we often kind of sit idly by. Sometimes we even join the chorus. No, I've never met an executive director or a board member who has whined about the dysfunction that exists in nonprofit organizations. No, that's never happened to me. Now, it's it's okay. I hear it because I actually am a, you know, I'm an executive coach and I work with hundreds of thousands of smaller nonprofits in my nonprofit leadership labs. Of course, I hear people's problems because I'm I'm like a fixer, right? But not only are we not good ambassadors, we often talk smack about the sector, and that's not really good for our sector either. Now, our sector has deep flaws. Make no mistake, I'm not Pollyanna here. I'm thinking about Vule. He's one of my kindred spirits in the nonprofit blogosphere. He often calls on the sector to do better, and I really appreciate that about him. And in so doing, he absolutely points out flaws. I'm grabbing this from one of his blog posts from earlier this year, and stay with me. He really is not a negative Nancy. He, like me, is a champion for the nonprofit sector. We just go about it differently. Here's what he says, quote, we have a lot of them, meaning flaws. From our ridiculous traditional board structure, to the various time-wasting shenanigans of foundations, to the way we've been conditioned to appeal to the ego of rich, mostly white donors, to how poorly paid many people are, to our propensity to intellectualize and not take action, to our crappy hiring practices, and to our office equipment that is held together with duct tape and bungee cords. And there's plenty of other things we need to point out and improve on. He's not wrong about these things. And I hear it from people also, not just Vu, of course, people who respond to my blog posts about executive directors making way too much money, about toxic work environments. Somebody wrote me recently, quote, nonprofit people make their living off fellow Americans in the form of taxpayer-funded subsidies. End quote. And another one. Quote, the whole government poverty industrial complex is dysfunctional, end quote. Flaws. We got them. Systemic racism, white dominant culture. I can add to Vu's list. But the point Vu was making in that very same post in which he ranted a bit about the flaws in our sector was that every sector is flawed. From corporations to academia to government. And in fact, many nonprofits actually exist to fill the gaps and solve the problems that are caused by those other sectors. What's my point? My point is that so much of this negative framing goes unchallenged, and there is a price to pay for that. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about the price, and then let's start to talk about what we can do about this. The Nonprofit Leadership Lab is led by Joan Gary and is the world's best online community for leaders of small nonprofits. Learn how to raise more money, build the board of your dreams, 
grow a large audience of supporters, and so much more. To learn more and request an invitation to become a member, please go to nonprofitleadershiplab.com slash podcast. That's nonprofitleadershiplab.com slash podcast. So we are all in the business of changing frames, changing the narratives. And I am positing today that our sector has a crummy narrative and that we, the bazillion, I'm rounding up, I think, the bazillion people who touch the work of nonprofits and extract from it a remarkable sense of meaning and purpose are the best people to work to reframe that narrative. And I would argue we have to. Because the impact of this negative framing is real and tangible. It's the first one. People are going to sit. They're going to stay sitting on their butts. They're not going to get out of the stands and onto the field with you. They're going to hear that nonprofits are screwed up and waste too much money or whatever that negative frame is, and they're not going to get into the action. They're going to give, how about this? They're going to give less money. They're going to give less of their time, their treasure. I think the biggest impact that it has is that we're holding keys they don't know we're holding because we're not telling them. We hold these keys, these keys to hope. And the impact of this is if we don't change the narrative, I think that our society remains cynical, gets more deeply cynical, because they don't see the glimmer of hope that comes from the nonprofit organizations right under their very own noses. They don't see the glimmer of hope that comes from knowing that their next door neighbor is a board member at one of those organizations and that they're inspired by that, that it gives them a sense of hope that there are good people in the world on both sides of the political aisle who share common values. We can't keep that to ourselves. It's way too important. There's all kinds of studies that say that since the pandemic, everyone knows that volunteerism and getting involved in causes that mean something is so much more important to people today than it was several years ago. And we're the, we're the keepers of that meaning and purpose flame, right? And we're too busy to share it. We're too busy to go and invite more people to come out of the stands and onto the field. And let's also talk about this. We're, t- we're too busy to be out there so people can say, that's, a, that's such an admirable person. I'm inspired by that person. I want to model that behavior. We need more leadership models. And I'm not just talking about people who have the title or the position. That's not how I define leadership. I define it by people who actually take a stand, who get out of the stands and onto the field. That's what makes someone a superhero, a leader. Someone who, against all the odds, is still working one-on-one to get somebody, some person who's 
struggling with mental illness the resources they need. And yeah, I'm talking about my daughter at Brookline Community Health. I'm talking about many of you. So let's review. We don't call our sector the right thing. It's called the wrong thing. We don't actually get out and talk about the nonprofit sector for what it is. If I had people guess in my town of Montclair, New Jersey, how many nonprofits there are, they'd guess wrong. They either take them for granted or they're not quite that visible. Or they'd say, oh, yeah, I guess the why is a nonprofit, huh? Yeah, that's how it works, right? That, that the nonprofits in my community make Montclair a community. Otherwise, it's a town of 40,000 people. It's what makes the people I don't know in my town neighbors. I always thought Mr. Rogers was really onto something with that word neighbors. It's so rich. It's so emotional. It's so familial. It's so personal, right? I think that the nonprofit sector, the people who, that bazillion, they see everyone as a neighbor. Everyone as a neighbor. And I just, I'm just convinced that we keep it to ourselves and we can't keep it to ourselves. There's too much riding on the work that we do for people to know too little about it. And it is our spirit and our drive. It is our belief that things can change that leads us to action. And the more they see people doing just that, the more action there will be and the more impact the sector will have. So let's talk about what we do about this. And I'm hesitating because I don't have all the answers. I think it's a journey. And, I, and I'm just encouraging you today to follow me on this journey, to really think about that. You know, I was clowning around at the beginning about that Jeopardy category, but it, it's not, I'm not really clowning around at all. We're not just organizations. We're just not. I think we're leaders of a movement, if you want to know. I would ask you to consider some of these questions. What is it you want the world to know about the nonprofit sector? And what role do we ourselves play in that narrative? How do we, let's take Montclair as an example, a town of 40,000 people, right? There's a, there's a framing, there's a narrative about those X number of organizations, nonprofit organizations that are a backbone, that are the glimmer of hope in our community. How do they gather? How do they sing that song as an orchestra? How do they put competition aside and say, well, most of the people who donate to the Montclair Art Museum are they going to also donate to the Montclair Film Festival? Hell yeah. Pie gets bigger. When you feel like you're part of something bigger, that's what happens. So I just want you to consider your voice as really powerful, your voice as a storyteller, and your superpower as somebody who is in the business of changing 
the narratives. And for the people who are not on staff in organizations, board members, and volunteers, this is important. I want you to consider the difference between what you do and who you are. Do you know how many times I have heard people say this? So what do you do? Well, I'm, um, I, I'm retired, but I help out as a part-time docent at the local historical society. You get what that sentence is really telling people? That there's this other thing I do that, that I try to keep busy. I try to keep busy. I'm a nice person, and I try to keep busy by doing some nice things. But I'm retired. I hear it all the time with people's volunteer work. It's an oh, by the way. It's a part of a but, right? As opposed to, I work at Prudential, and I, I'm responsible for blah. That said, the thing that really gives me passion in my life is the work that I do as the treasurer of the board of First Tea Point Pleasant. And here's why. And I, I don't know if you've ever considered board service before, but I'm here to tell you that it gives me a sense of joy and purpose. Yeah, sure, it's frustrating from time to time. And I'm learning about storytelling and fundraising, and I'm going to get there. And that's a good muscle for me to exercise anyway. But that's the thing that gives me meaning and purpose. See, most people will spend so much of their time talking about the thing that they do, that they maybe they don't like so much. Like, I, I don't actually care. If I'm talking to the person at Prudential and they say, well, what I, what I really do is, you know, what we do here at Prudential is we do the blah, 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 blah. And my piece of that is the D, 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 D. And then all of us together, we do the D, 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 D. I'm already on my way to the bar for another glass of Pinot Noir. Those rhyme. How about if he said, instead, I work at Prudential and my key responsibility is blank. That said, the thing that really drives me, makes me want to get up in the morning, that really fuels me, that gives me a real sense of meaning and purpose is my board service at X. Or how about this? I volunteer and I prune trees at Branch Brook Park just near Newark. It's fine. How about this? Maybe I'm at a cocktail party and the person asks me, what do I do? Well, I've had um, decades as a television executive and I now have the freedom to really dive into the things I love. I loved television programming then, but gardening is something I absolutely love. Have you ever been to Branchbrook Park? It is a Frederick Olmsted Park and one of the most beautiful parks in the New York metropolitan area with, believe it or not, more cherry blossom trees than in all of D.C. Really? Yeah. And every Friday afternoon, I work with the most remarkable woman who has trained me to be part of a team that cares for those trees year-round through my work with the Master Gardener Program of Essex County. I love that work. 
I love the joy and the expertise this woman has, how she treats these trees. It gives me just such a sense of purpose to be part of that team. Do you see the difference? We don't do that. I'm retired on Fridays. I help out pruning trees. One actually fuels me. One makes me say, wow, that's awesome. I admire you for doing that. I want what that, I want what you're having. The other one is just a transactional task, something that keeps me busy. We do this to ourselves, my friends. We are not intentional about how we talk about our organizations, the work we do, and the sector that is responsible for the biggest heaping dose of meaning and purpose in our society. And as I might have mentioned, there are a bazillion people who touch nonprofits every day. What if we all took on the challenge of changing the narrative, of introducing the other hundreds of bazillions of people to the meaning and purpose, to the joy and wonder of what it means to be part of change, what it means to advocate for the good? That'd be a hell of a good day at the office, wouldn't it? I'm going to be noodling on this idea in my podcast, on my blog, on LinkedIn. It's something I'm really stuck on. You know, I joke that the nonprofit sector needs a publicist, that we need to hire like a PR firm to get the word out that people understand the superheroes that are resident in the sector, the remarkable, the remarkable work that they do in the most trying of circumstances. The hardest work there is, is often done by someone at a nonprofit organization. And I believe that that reframing starts with us. So let's be thinking about that as we kick into how we approach the year, how we think about our colleagues in the sector, how we market and promote and talk and tell stories about the lives we touch, the causes that mean something. Our world is so hungry, so desperate for what we have, whether it's functional, dysfunctional, whether we're having good days or bad days, the world is hungry for meaning, purpose, and hope. Let's not keep it to ourselves. Let's keep talking about this, shall we? Thanks for the work you do. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. I hope you found the conversation valuable as you navigate the messy world of nonprofits. Check out all my other resources at joangary.com. Hope you find them helpful too. Lastly, thank you for the work you do to repair the world in ways large and small. I'll see you next time.